Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. Amen. While you're standing, I want you to look to the heavens from which truly our help comes from. And the Bible says our help comes from the Lord. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Say it one more time. Jesus. Jesus. Say it one more time. Jesus. Jesus. Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus. We know, Lord God, that our minds need to be stayed on him. And the word says when we do that, he can have us in a place called perfect peace. Now, Father, I thank you for the perfect peace of God, for those that are viewing, those that are here personally. I thank you, Lord God, that you will open the eyes of our understanding this morning. Help us to see things in the Word of God, perhaps that we've never seen before, or that we need to take a relook at. The Bible says, he who has an ear, let him hear. And we are supposed to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And I thank you that the Holy Ghost will speak through me and to each and every person that has an ear to hear. And Father, I thank you that when we hear, we will take that next step, and that is to do. Father, we thank you for helping us to hear today and helping us to take the steps of a doer of your word, a workman that need not be ashamed because we choose to study God's word together. We choose to take hold and embrace the word and then make sure that we take it as far and as fast as possible into the uttermost part of the earth, fulfilling what every born-again believer is supposed to do, fulfill the Great Commission, go into the highways, go into the byways, and compel others, come in. Father, thank you for the influence that we will have on our homes, our communities, our places of work, and even places, Father God, that perhaps we're just in visiting or vacationing. Thank you that the word of God will never be silenced. We will give voice to what God has given and spoken by his voice. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, bless your neighbor on your way down to your seat right now. Hallelujah. And we thank God for his word. The Bible says the word of God is always a lamp unto our feet, it's the light unto our path, it's literally the medicine to all of our flesh, and we thank God for his word. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So this morning, um, we are coming off of a week of just a wonderful time with Pastor Stephen and his wife, Lee Retoad, who spent some time, and we just saw the hand of God as he preached the word, and there were activities or things that we needed to accomplish on behalf of uh, Pastor Stephen, he needed to get a passport, and you know, you go online and uh, a visa, and Miss Pat is uh, correcting me there, uh, he needed to get a visa, uh, he needed to travel into the country of Nigeria, and they required a visa. Online it says, absolutely no walk-ins. Folks, how I many of you know God will increase you in favor? So, I mean, you can, you can see certain things in front of you, or you can see God. I will tell you, see God. And so in that moment, when, when all of the things that we're reading online and wanting to help him said that you can. I mean, you know, nothing is impossible with God. 
And so, uh, to make a long story short, we just traveled down there on Tuesday, walked in when we were told we shouldn't come in, and in five minutes, visa granted. That, I don't know how awesome you see that, but God is an awesome God. When everything in the natural says it can't be done, God is saying to you, I don't want you to walk by the natural eye. I need you to walk by this spiritual eye that I'm trying to give you. And all through the Bible, there are a number of people that God showed that perhaps everything that you see in the natural is causing you to be doubtful, fearful, reluctant to take another step. But God is always telling his people, you've got to take another step. And this step that you take is called a step of faith. Because if you allow the circumstance to become so big, you minimize God. And you should never, ever minimize God. We can go, I can go from every book in the Bible, perhaps, when we show the actions of people where certain things happen or they see certain things and they minimize themselves and they minimize the presence of God. In the presence of God, in the presence of God, the Bible says you just walk with a fullness of joy because you know God's going to take care of this. Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is impossible with God. So this morning, we want to look at perhaps just one particular character out of the Bible from the Old Testament. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Judges. I'm going to say to you, I, I asked the ushers to hand you a sheet this morning. I don't know if those sheets got to everyone. Do you all have one? Because I want to help you to just kind of grab a hold of some things that we're going to learn from this character in the Bible. His name is Gideon. If you don't have one of those sheets, raise your hand and the ushers will bring one to you. Amen? And, and, and so we just, I, I wanted you to have a takeaway today. I, I, I told Pat yesterday, I was in the midst of a, a lot of activities yesterday. We fed a multitude of people. We were a part of another event that we were in and um, so the Lord I, I said to Pat when we were finishing an event yesterday I said I want to go back to the to the church but I knew the Lord said go home I need your body to rest and so I went home being obedient, obedient to the Lord but I got up early so Lord what is the rest of this see sometimes you can get something from God but you also need to get the rest of it and so he said there's some things that you, people can learn from this young man named Gideon in the Bible. And so in Judges chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, we won't have a chance to read all of those verses from those, but I'm saying it to you so that as you study this out, along with this outline we're going to give you today, you will see something incredible about God and about people who follow God. Amen? And, and so who is this, this character Gideon. Well, the Bible gives us a real glimpse of who this young man is. He, he is a young man who uh, was an Israelite, born in a country called Oprah. He's the youngest son of a man named Joash. He came from what we call the Abiz family. His family belonged to the tribe of Manassas. In other words, he, he's chosen of God, but he doesn't know he's chosen of God. He is in a place, and, and if we could open it up in, in chapter 6 of the book of Judges, you can see that Israel has been 
allowed by God. As a matter of fact, Alfred, if you could, just bring up Judges chapter 6, and we'll, we'll read the first few verses. I, I, as a matter of fact, we'll read down to verse 8, and then we'll certainly help you to fill in those blanks on that sheet of paper that you have. So when you look at Judges chapter 6, you'll see a place. It says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord, everybody say the Lord. You notice how it's in all the capital letters? Brother uh, Stephen was telling you, always remember, the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Midians for seven years. Now, I, I, I can't go too fast on this. You, are you noticing what it said? The children of Israel did what? Good, right? Good? Evil. Evil. Because a lot of times what I'm trying to get across to you is that you have to walk up right before God. When you start to choose the world over God, when you start to choose your will over the will of God, that's evil in the sight of God. And the Bible says God had no other choice but to give people over to what they were pursuing. This is why it's so important for you to pursue God. I've watched people, and my heart breaks when I see people who have walked with God and they are back into the world. They're doing everything the world does. They're singing and, and dancing like the world sings and dances. When God translates you out of darkness, the Bible says he's bringing you to a place of what? Marvelous light. I tell you, when you delve into the things of the, the evil one, it'll wear you out. You'll wonder, why, why am I so tired? Because the enemy is wearing you out. God is strengthening his people. The Bible says you get strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But you've got to be doing the will of God. And so the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Midians. The Midianites had them for seven years. That's a long time. That's a long time. Verse 2, if we could, please. In verse 2, and the hand for seven years, and the hand of the Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites, because of the Midianites, because of that place that they've been delivered to. The children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, the strongholds. They're in the mountain. Folks, these are the people of God. These are the children of God living beneath their privileges now. In dens. Instead of houses, they're in dens. Instead of the fine houses that God had blessed with, they're in caves. Why? Evil. How many of you know what the wages of sin is? This is why God said, he's given you the power to break the stronghold of a sin in your life. He's given you the power. He's given you the power to, to say no to everything that the devil says to you, say yes to. He's given you the power to resist every temptation that the devil tries to bring your way. Don't tell me, you know, like the Flip Wilson days, the devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do it. You chose to do that. The devil brought that to you. The devil tried to encourage you that that was the way that you should live, but you made the choice. This is why when people are saying, people made me do this, or they made me, they didn't make you do a thing. 
You chose to do it. Oh, he made me mad. No, he didn't. You chose to get mad. The Bible says you could rejoice in the Lord. What? Always. How long is always? Even when people are being a little not so nice to you? Yes. Look at Jesus, folks. He did it. Father, forgiving. Forgive those people for, for what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. I'm choosing to look to you. Father, I commend my spirit to you. So do you know you, you and I are supposed to every day be walking what? In the spirit. And the Bible says if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill what? The lust of what? Your flesh. It is our flesh that you have to put under subjection daily. I've compared the flesh to something we know as a weed. Anybody know what a dandelion is? How many of you like dandelions in your lawn? Nobody. You do whatever you can to get dandelions out. But how many of you know if you don't get the root of the dandelion, it'll come right on back up. You can pluck all of the vegetative portion over the green leafy. You can take the little yellow flower out. But if you don't get the root, folks, God wants you to get down to the root of the problem. And sin is always the root. Amen? And so, because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens of the caves, the strongholds which are in the mountain. Verse 3, please, Alfred. So it was, so it was, whenever Israel had sown, in other words, they're planting food, the Midianites would come up. Also the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. How many of you like to be working and everything you work for somebody else, take it? Some of you might feel like you're right there now. Everything you work for, you got one of them bumper stickers that say, I owe, I owe, and off to work I go. The Bible says you should not have to be constantly in a place where everything that you do, somebody is taking it from you. This is where they are. This is what this scripture is describing. Everything that they sow, everything that they do, somebody come up to take it. Next verse, verse 4. And they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza. Folks, do you realize there's still struggle on Gaza today? And leave no sustenance for Israel. In other words, nothing be left. You did all this hard work planting all this food. They come and just take it and destroy the rest, and nothing is left for either. Neither sheep nor ox or donkey. In other words, they take what you had in order to, to plow the field. They take that too. How many of you know that's under the curse? And Jesus has come to deliver you from the curse so that everything that you have shouldn't be taken from you. We're going to learn something from Gideon here in a few minutes, but I want you to go a little further with me down to verse 6 now. Look at what verse 6 tells us in the book of Judges, chapter 6. For they would, so Israel was greatly impoverished. Say this with me. It is the desire... Of God, of God, that I prosper, that I prosper. And, be and be in good health, even as my soul, as my soul is, prospering. is prospering. So you understand that's the word of the Lord. 
Look at what he's saying here. So Israel was greatly impoverished. In other words, in poverty. Poor. God wants you to be prospering. He wants you to do it in good health. Even as your soul is prospering. But Israel, because of evil, don't forget this. Why are they impoverished? Because of the evil. How long had they been under this, this thumb? Seven years. What did they do? Everything that they sow is taken from them. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. The children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, we need to cry out to the Lord. Look at another neighbor and say, we need to cry out to the Lord. Church, we need to cry out to the Lord. There are things that are happening in this earth today in 2023 and where you don't have an answer. You are at a place where you don't know what to do. And this is why last week when he said, when we didn't know what to do, what did you have to do? Get your eyes on God. There are a lot of things that have happened that cause people to get their eyes off of God. And God is saying, get your eyes back on where your help comes from. And your help, my help, our help comes from who? The Lord. And you cry out to the Lord. See, sometimes we are going to him and them and everywhere but God. We're looking at this book and that book and that place and just like that woman with the issue of blood, until she cried out to the Lord, nothing was changing. As a matter of fact, just like with the children of Israel, everything was getting worse. And so if you're at that place in your life today, those of you who are viewing, those of you who are sitting here, where you feel like, I'm still in the same situation, Pastor. Things are not getting better. It's not better with my wife. It's not better with my children. It's not better with my job. It, but you need to, we need to cry out to the Lord. Not just one people, person here I want you to know. This is why you're going to have a pastor that's going to be in your ear constantly saying, Folks, prayer ain't just for a few leaders in the church. Amen. Amen. I, I, I would. You know, this Saturday, we're not distributing food, not the physical food. But I believe that there's spiritual food in the house of the Lord if we would just get up and come. But I realize this. I can say to you, we're having a picnic Saturday. We're going to cook some hot dogs and hamburgers. I will get more people who show up for that than if I say, we're going to be going in the presence of the Lord. Come and go with me. And, and, and something is wrong. I don't know about you, but for me, that just something. It's an uprising in the inside of me that we will respond to things like that, but we won't respond to God. I hope I got somebody in here that says, you know what? This is going to be a week where I will actually put it on my calendar that I will be in the house of the Lord for prayer. I'm inviting you to come join me at 10 a.m. Saturday morning for prayer. Well, I got a, <coughs> but I didn't get an amen. I was looking for an amen there. I'm messing with you, honey. 
So Israel was greatly impoverished, and I'm trying to tell you, God's trying to bring you out of some stuff. You know, Pastor Stephen said this on Wednesday night. He said, Pastor, I was looking for every man that was there on Monday to be there on Wednesday. He said, I don't know if they heard me. I said, they heard you, Pastor, but they ignored you. They hear me, and there are times where they ignore me too. And you know what? You hear God, and you ignore God as well. Don't do that. Don't ignore. The Bible says, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant. That's not an IQ statement. That's not about your intelligent quotient. It is about ignoring what God has said to do. Israel ignored what God had said to do. They were put in captivity with the Midianites for seven years. They are living in caves and dens. They are impoverished. They are planting stuff and it's being taken from them. And finally, somebody had enough sense to say, you know what? We need to cry out to the Lord. Yeah. Look at verse 7 now. Come on with me. We're going to get there to your sheep. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, let's go on, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage and and I delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians, out of the hands of all who oppress you, and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord, your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not Obeyed my voice. See, some people are asking God, why? And I believe that God will answer, you have not obeyed my voice. And also I said to you, I, now, you took me back up. Now the angel, whoa, help her pass out. Let me get my Bible. <laughs> Amen. Every now and then, Technology is technology. That's why I like to keep one of these. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Ah, praise God. Praise God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. I'll just stay here. Amen. I tell myself, don't get too dependent on technology. Stay dependent on God. So verse 8 told us that he sent a prophet. Verse 9 starts to tell us what the prophet starts to say. Verse 10 continues and says, For I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you will dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. Folks, there is a cry of distress by the people of God, and the prophet is sent by the Lord. However, his call to repentance is unbelieved. They don't, they don't heed it. Folks, this is a time 
in 2023, if you're going to see victory, 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 you're going to have to heed the voice of God. The prophets of God, the people of God that God is sending to speak into your life, you're going to need to listen. This is why we say oftentimes people will say to, to, to a pastor, I, I, I'm coming, they'll call the secretary, and the secretary puts them on the calendar and says they're coming for counsel. And in fact, they're not coming for counsel at all. They're just coming to tell me what they're going to do. That's not counsel. And you know what? Just send me an email. If you've already made it up in your mind, this is what you're going to do, and you don't really want to hear the counsel, then just send me an email and say, Pastor, this is what I'm doing. But if you want the counsel, if you're coming in to, to see me, if you're coming in and we're going to sit at the altar, you're coming for counsel of God. And you're saying, Father, not my will, but what? Your will be done. And so what God will do in your life sometimes is send the prophet because he hears your distress. He knows the pressure that's on your life. He knows the struggle that you're going through, but he's sending you help. Say, help! God will send help if you want help. God will send deliverance if you want to come out of it. God will pick you up if you have fallen down. God will make the crooked places straight if you want the straight and narrow path that he'll put you on. Verse 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat on an oak which was in Oprah that pertained unto Joash the Abizarite his son Gideon who threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And thus we began. What can we learn from Gideon? I'm not going to read all of these passages now. I'll just summarize and put it in a thumbnail sketch for you. Here's a young man now that God looks at and says, I'm looking for somebody that will, I can use right now. Somebody that will get in agreement with me and my word. And he sees a young man by the name of Gideon and he says, and he sends an angel to speak to Gideon. Because you understand the verses that we just read, he sent a prophet and nobody took heed. The prophet's trying to tell you, this is the problem, this is the thing that we need to adjust and do so that you can be blessed and not be impoverished, not be in dens, not be in caves. But he finds this little man, little, little young man named Gideon. And, and it's not hard to figure out, Gideon is threshing wheat. Anybody know what threshing wheat is? Sweet grows in on a stalk. At the very end of the stalk is all the little seeds that when they're crushed, it makes flour or grain. But you have to thresh it first. In other words, you've got to beat the grain out of it. So most of the time back in the day, they would cut the wheat and they put it in what we call sheaves. And so somebody had to thresh it, which means beat it and beat it until all those little seeds come out. Then you take those little seeds and you grind them. And that's where you get your flour or your cornmeal and all of those things that we are aware of today. See, a lot of us don't know where, what happens before it gets to our table. We just know, I got cornbread. I got a biscuit. But something had to happen. And so here is Gideon now in what we would call perhaps the second stage of this process. Because the first stage is planting it. 
And you know what they told us, what the scripture told us. As they planted it, what would happen? All these people would come up. The Amorites, the Midianites, people from long distance, come and take it. So he's hiding. This is what you're supposed to draw. He is hiding. He is in a wine press. Wheat and a wine press don't necessarily go together. So he's hiding out, doing what he's doing in secret, trying to put food on his family's table, living in fear, living in poverty. And God sent an angel and said, I don't want you to live like this. Come on, how many of you have just been scraping and scratching just trying to make it? You don't have to raise your hand, but some of you are in that place. Paycheck to paycheck, not knowing why you're going to make it. And God said, I don't want you in that place. I can't, I, that's not my highest and best for you. I've got better. Somebody say better. better. Shout it, better. better. God has better for you. But that better comes with obeying. And so the angel comes and says, and literally says to him, you're mighty. You know what Gideon says? No, I'm not. Look at your neighbor and say, you're mighty. You're mighty. Did anybody tell you no, they're, they're not? Sometimes your verbals and your nonverbals don't always line up. But see, God says, you are more than a conqueror. God said, you can do all things through who? Christ, who strengthened you. The, Bi the Bible tells you, you are what? The head and not the tail. The Bible tells you, you are above and not beneath. The Bible says that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people call out of darkness over in and you're supposed to be living in what a marvelous light but a lot of us are still like Gideon living in the darkness hiding barely making it and, 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 and what Gideon did he puts he said well if I, I haven't really seen anything and a lot of us are walking by what we see and Gideon said I've heard my ancestors talk about this Come on, how many of you heard your grandmother talk about God, how good God is? How many of you heard your, your, your relatives, uh, those who knew God, talk about the goodness of the Lord? But he said, but it's been all talk. I haven't seen anything yet. And I feel like that's where we are in our society today. A lot of people are saying, I haven't seen anything. I've been hearing people talk about the goodness of the Lord. I've been hearing people talk about miracles. I've been hearing people talk about their breakthroughs. But I haven't seen anything in my life yet, Pastor. Perhaps you've been looking in the wrong direction. God is present. Say, God is present. God is present. I've heard people give testimony about healing, but I'm still sick. God is a healer. God's a healer. Anybody that knows that God's a healer, you stand up. You've got one of those testimonies, and you know that you were sick. You know that you had a, a, a diagnosis or a prognosis from a doctor that said this was happening in your body, and these are the results that's going to happen, but you have overcome. So I'm an overcomer. Come on, somebody, on, you, you're watching. 
You need to stand up too. I don't care if you were sitting in your most comfortable position in your, your, your house. You need to stand up and just shout it sometime. I'm an overcomer. What the devil had meant for evil, God had turned it around and turned it for my good. Goodness and mercy is following me and it's going to follow me all the day of my life. See, boy, you got to tell it. If God's been good to you, just tell it. Look, if the neighbor don't want to hear it, go find another one, but tell it. Tell somebody about the goodness and the greatness of your God. Tell somebody, because somebody needs to hear that testimony. Somebody needs to know who God is. Somebody needs to know how great God is. Somebody needs to know how faithful God is. We'll sit down for just a little, just a minute, because I still haven't gotten to the sheet yet, huh? Because I'm trying to give you the, 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 the overview. So here's Gideon now. He says, uh, well, if I'm all that God, prove it. Prove that you are God. How many of you know you're not supposed to test God? Amen. Folks, all back in the book of Leviticus, it was already written that he was not supposed to test God. Deuteronomy. We won't go there. I'll give you the scripture in a few minutes. But he wasn't supposed to test God. But how many know that sometimes God will look at our ignorance and still he wants to bless us? He'll look at where we question him and still want to bless us. He'll look at how we've disobeyed him and still want to bless us. How many of you know the whole world was in sin and yet Jesus came? All had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and Jesus still came. So look at your neighbor and say, it's not too late. That's the whole objective of that. It's not too late. Today when you hear God's voice and you won't harden your heart, God can come in and do great things. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I am expecting great things. It's got to be more than a song for you. It's got to be a reality to you. I'm expecting great things because I serve a great God. And the Bible says, greatly to be praised. Greatly to be praised. And so how did he test God? Here's what this young SOS kid did. You understand when I say SOS? Stuck on stupid. He says, here, I got a fleece. Now, if you cause the fleece to be just completely wet and the ground to be completely dry, then I believe it's not a lie. That is God talking to me. How many of you have been asking God, you got to show me something? Like Stephen said, yeah, ain't none of us from Missouri, we all from Maryland. <laughs> Talking about you got to prove something to me, God, before I can trust you. No, God don't have to prove you, but he did. So what did he wake up to? A fleece so wet that he could squeeze it in water would just pour out it, and the ground was completely dry. Dew from the morning just on the fleet. And then this will have enough sense to talk about well then tomorrow come on how many of you know now say now. now 
You don't be telling God tomorrow. You don't be putting it off. That you got to do something more because I am not completely convinced right now. He says now he reverses it. I want the ground to be completely wet and the fleece to be completely dry. And I guess the angel is sitting there saying, boy, this is a, God, you gave me a doozy to work with here. <laughs> See, some of y'all angels that have been assigned to you are probably saying, God, can you give me a new assignment? Because this one is hard-headed. This one is, Lord, everything I've done, they are still walking in unbelief. And that's where young Gideon was still at, in a place called unbelief. And so God said, go ahead and do it. And sure enough, fleece is completely dry. The ground is completely wet. Wow, what a test, huh? What a test. And so it would be that Gideon would start to move in an area in his life where he would believe God. And this is over in Judges 7, and we won't turn there anymore. Judges 7, 32,000 people are all behind this young Gideon, and they're going to go out and face the Midianites. They're tired of it. How many of you know you get tired of stuff? He said, enough is enough. And so apparently Gideon's voice has been so influential that 32,000 people, can you imagine going from being afraid and threshing wheat in a wine press and out there among his people and 32,000 people are now ready to follow him into battle. However, everybody say however. however. <laughs> they are not all ready to follow him into battle. They're just making noise. They're just showing up. And the Bible says, God told Gideon, look, there are some fearful people. There are some doubtful people. There are some people with you. They are not really with you. Tell them they can go home. 32,000. I want you to do the math now. 10,000 of them leave right away. How many does he have? 22. You've gone. You, that's church growth right there. That's church growth. Then he said, I want you to do one more thing, Gideon. All these people that are still left, not all of them are true warriors. Not all of them are truly going to go all the way. Shout to your neighbor, say, all the way. All Say it again, all the way. God wants people that will go all the way. Not just get on to, you know, some of us just put our names on the church roll. I don't know what you think putting your name on the church roll means. But when you do that, you're saying, I understand that there's a vision that God has given this local company of believers. And I'm on board, and I'm willing to go all the way. And God says, here's what I want you to do to determine who's really going to go all the way. I always felt like in this church, it's about prayer. The people who are actually going to go all the way with you is the people that are going to come and humble themselves and just pray yes. and seek the face of God. Yes. So he says, you're going to be able to tell who's with you, Gideon. Take them all to the stream and let them start to drink water. And apparently they had been without water for some period of time. He says, the one that is just going to go Head first 
dive in water. <laughs> he said, they're not really going to be good soldiers with you. But the one that goes and just laps the water up like a dog. Do you ever watch a dog lapping water? They lap and they look both ways, every direction. Nothing can sneak up on them. See, folks, we're supposed to be watching and waiting. You're supposed to have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. You're supposed to know when to move. So they're lapping and do the math. How many? We were 32,000, right? We're down to what? 22,000. And finally, when he selects that group, there are only 300 people left to go to the battlefield with. Come on. Do you understand? That's minus 9,700. <laughs> you were at 22,000. And now, not. Come on. Do you understand? Actually, 19,700. 19, 300 is left. 300 is left. 300 is left. Let me share with you what you can learn from him. We're going to use the PowerPoint to help you. Slide number one, if you would, or two, if, in that sense. God always sees the best in us. Come on, tell somebody, he saw the best in me. See, sometimes you are with, and, and a song is appropriately written around that. Sometimes people around you see the worst. They want to bring up the worst, and especially your own family members. What you didn't do, what you haven't done, what you didn't achieve, what they don't believe that you can do, what they don't believe that you should be doing. But see, God sees the best in us. Even Gideon himself couldn't see the best in himself. When God says, you're a man of valor, he says, no, I'm not that. And some of you don't see the best that God sees. You don't see yourself like God sees you. And you should. Stop minimizing yourself. I go back to the time when they went into the, 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 uh, the land flowing with milk and honey. Remember how they came back out of that land? What did they say? We are like grasshoppers. You have got to stop minimizing yourself. Sometimes in psychological circles, they say that's low self-esteem. God wants your esteem to be high. And he tells you who you are. He tells you you are loved. He tells you that he highly esteems you. He tells you you are beautiful and wonderf wonderfully made in God's likeness, God's image. And how many of you know God don't make no junk? And you were created by God. So God sees the best in us. Number two. Next slide, please, Alfred. When God calls you, he will equip you. Because Gideon is thinking, how am I going to do this? For seven years, you remember? He's got seven years of history of being defeated, defeated, defeated. Somebody say victory. Defeat it. Defeat it. 
Defeat it. This is your year, 2023, for victory, victory, victory. It's time to end the defeat. And God doesn't call you because you're so qualified. He, qual he qualifies you because he called you. And he will equip you. God calls you. He will equip you. Here's the third thing you can learn from Gideon. You are not alone in your battle. Say, I'm not alone. Say, I shout it, I'm not alone. The devil wants you to think that you are by yourself. But the scripture says, if God be for you, who can be against you? What do you know about God? He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Though he will be with you until the end of the ages. You are never alone. Say, never alone. Never Shout alone. it again. Never alone. never alone. The devil wants you to be at a place in your life where you feel, he wants you to feel like you're alone. God's with you. Yes. Folks, I am well aware that people leave you. But God doesn't. I am well aware that some people who say that they're your best friend will turn out to be your worst enemy. Amen. But God doesn't. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and what? Forevermore. But God is with me. God is with you. Here's the fourth thing that you can learn from this man Gideon in this story. Focus on what you have not on what you don't have. You remember how Moses was with God back in the day? God, I can't speak. And God says, I'll send you a mouthpiece. God, I don't have anything. What you got in your hand? I don't have but this little stick. Throw it down. Folks, it, it, this is a point where you throw it all down at the feet of Jesus. We were singing that, and I was thinking, and I looked around and said, do people understand what it means to just come and sit at the feet of Jesus? If you did, prayer would be something that you couldn't miss if you wanted to, because you realize what happens when you throw it down at the feet of Jesus. See, a lot of us haven't thrown it down. We are still kind of carrying it. And we're still focused on, well, I don't have this, and if I can get this, and if I can get that, and if I can do this, and if I can do that, and God said, so many people are stuck. Lord, I don't have this. I don't have that. And God said, but you got me. You got me. You've got me. It reminds me of a story of a little boy playing in a sandbox. He has a little pail. He has a little shovel. And he is moving sand. And all of a sudden, he comes in contact with a rock. A relatively large rock for a small child. And the child uses his little pail and his little, little, little shovel, and he tries to move the rock, and he can't move it. He gets up, and he pushes with all of his might. He can't move the rock. And all of a sudden, he starts to cry. His father has been at the door watching him. He pushes the sliding door back, and he goes out to his son who's crying. 
He says, what's wrong? And the child begins to explain to the father, well, this rock, I was trying to move it. I've been, I tried to do it with my pail. I tried to do it with my shovel. I tried to do it with my strength. And the father says, you didn't ask me. And he just reaches down and moves the stone. Well, so you got to ask God. What seems hard, what seems impossible with you is not impossible with God. But you've got to start focusing on what you have and what you, rather than what you don't have. Amen? Here's the next thing, the fifth thing that we learned. God wants our faith to increase. You're filling in the blanks. And I want you to fill these blanks in. If you don't have a pen, say, somebody lend me a pen. We will have this sermon posted up for a while, but they don't stay there forever. This is why I'm trying to give you something to take away, because this is going to be critical for the next days of your life. That you remember, and that you take hold of these principles. God wants your faith to increase. Oftentimes, you would hear Jesus say, O ye of little faith. Sometimes he would tell people there was no faith. See, and what did he say about the centurion? Great faith. What did the centurion understand? The power of the spoken word of God. You don't even have to come to my house, the centurion said. Just speak the word only. That's powerful. And Jesus said about him, in all of Israel, I have seen no greater faith than this. Great faith is people who have great confidence in what God said, and they realize it's not going to return void. It's going to accomplish what God has sent this word to do. Amen? How many of you know none of God's words fall to the ground? Everything God sends out is word, and he wants you to be one of those people that send the word out. The word has to be, the Bible says, the word has to be what? Nigh you, even in your mouth. See, a lot of us see struggles, and we go through struggles. Our family's going through a struggle, and all of a sudden, all we are doing is murmuring, complaining, and talking about, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. And God said, you stop speaking the word, and you let the enemy put you in captivity for months, for years, and some unfortunately, for a lifetime. Speak the word. Here is this sixth thing that you see on your note. Few, whether there are few people, whether there's a small amount of people, few or little that are committed to God is, you should put more than enough. I know I put enough in there, that, that, but it's more than enough. How many realize he started out with how many? 32,000. Reduced down to what? 22,000. Reduced down further to what? 300. And sometimes we think that a small amount is not enough. But it's more than enough when it's put in the hand of God. How many remember the feeding of 5,000? Five little fish. Two little loaves. Truly his disciples were saying, Jesus, send them away. And Jesus was saying, nope. Let's feed them. So whatever you put in the hand of God, if you remember that parable, they put it in the hand of God. God lifted it up. Jesus lifted it up, presented it unto the Father, blessed it. 
And then when they break it, they fed everyone. And there were 12 baskets left over. God is a God of more than enough. Here's the next one that you should be aware of. When God lifts you up, when God lifts you up, say, when God lifts you up. Say it again, when God lifts you up. See what, folks, I don't know if you, you know this story in its fullness, but they won the victory against the Midianites by smashing a bunch of jars and sounding a roaring blast from the trumpet. Everybody say praise. praise. Say it again, praise. praise. Say it again, praise. praise. Folks, there's the sound. There's a sound that every church has to have. There's a sound that God is saying this church has to have. There's a roaring sound that must come from the people of God so the enemy will know you are victorious. I don't know about you if you've ever been to a sports game. When they, enter, they introduce the team, what, the, what happens? None of y'all have been to a sports team because if you had, you would have stood up, you would start clapping, you would start shouting. Let me say it again. If you had been, you would know. You stand. You start shouting. You start clapping. Because who's on board? Jesus. Who's in your mess? Jesus. You might not have Michael Jordan. You might not have LeBron James. But your God deserves more than the standing ovation that these men or women get. And we have forgotten that it's God that we serve. It's the author and the finisher of our faith. It's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. It is the El Shaddai. It is the breasted one. It is Jehovah Jireh, the provider. This is who we are shouting our praises to. And so God gets it back down. God gave them a victory. And the people saw and realized, wow. But here's the problem. They can only see Gideon. They don't see God. This has been always my prayer. Father, I don't want anybody to see me. Too, too many churches, the congregation don't see any further than their pastor, their bishop. And everything is about them. And little is about God. You've been in those conversations. I've been in those conversations with people that are just talking. Is my bishop this? My bishop that? My pastor this? My pastor that? And you don't see any further than that person. This is the problem. This is why I put that. You got to learn how to be humble, and Gideon did. Look, open your Bibles real quick. I want you to see this passage because this is in Judges chapter 8. Judges chapter 8. Look at verse 22. This is after they have the victory. The victory came from just smashing jars and sounding a roaring trumpet. Look what happened. Then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rule thou over us, both you and your son. See, Gideon ain't even got a son yet. You understand what the people are saying? We want to set up a dynasty. It's going to be you 
And then when you go, you're going to be your son. And look at what they said. They went down even to the third generation. And your son's son also. For, look what they said. For you have delivered us from the hand of the Midian. How many of you know Gideon did not deliver them from the hand of the Midian? Who delivered them from the hand of the Midian? Here's the humility part. Look at verse 23. Look at what Gideon said. And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you. Neither shall my son rule over you. Everybody say, the Lord. The Lord. Say it again, the Lord. Say it again, the Lord. The Lord rule over you. The Lord did this. The Lord gave you this victory. The Lord brought you out. Somebody shout, the Lord. The Lord. It's the Lord. See, even when people want to applaud you and laud you and pat you on the back, you better redirect them. Oh, this is why we find so many people, you know, you, you give them the pulpit for a moment, man, and they will say, and people say to them, ooh, you preach better than pastor did. Ooh, you need to be a pastor. When you have people who start to allow that to be okay with them, they're not redirecting people like, no, this doesn't come from pastor, it doesn't come from me. This all comes from the Lord. In, in training, and I, we're not always successful. I'm not always successful in that, in helping people to realize, just like it was told to Moses, Moses, the anointing on you is going to flow onto the people that you have under you. How many of you remember that? Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, shared with Jethro, or shared with Moses, you know, you can't do it all by yourself. You're going to have to have help. You're going to have to appoint people over certain things, over certain amounts of people. But help them to know that the anointing all flows from God. And the anointing, he says, that's on you, Moses, is going to flow. See, anyone that's on staff with us, anyone that's in ministry with us, that anointing is coming from God. Amen. I have to help make sure that people redirect their attention and their focus on God. It's not on me. And anyone in that chain, as we call the chain of command, that anointing is flowing from the head all the way down. He said, Moses, that anointing that's on you as the under shepherd is going to flow on the people that are around you. But if they think it's them, or if they think it's you, then, say it again, Dominga, you were preaching good. She said, that's a problem. That's good preaching, amen. That's a problem. And that problem brings division. That problem is what has always brought division in the house of God. Thank God for Gideon. What you can learn from Gideon, he stayed humble. I'm not ruling over you. My sons and my son's son, who aren't even in existence yet, they're not going to rule over you. It is God. It was God then, it's God now, it'll be God in the future. He's your Lord. Say, Jesus, Jesus. is my Lord, my Savior, my Redeemer, my present help in the time of my need. They needed God, and they had cried out to God, and God responded. And Gideon knew this. He remembered from whence he'd come. 
the wine press, threshing wheat. And it was God who gave him the victory. When you get your victory, not if you get your victory, when you get your victory, stay humble. And remember, where did your help come from? It came from the Lord. Here's the next point that we want to make here. Obey God and leave the rest to him. Stop trying to figure out how you, it's going to get done. Just obey God. You remember the first miracle? Jesus' mom says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. In other words, just obey. What did he do? He said, let's go get me some water. Now, can you imagine? What's water going to do? What's water going to do? Why should we be doing that? Questioning. See, there are times where when God is saying something, folks, he's not going to give you, many of you, if you got the whole picture, you would never walk with God. God gives you enough to make a faith step. Some of you come to me and you're saying you're wanting counsel, but you want me to give you the full picture. I don't have the full picture. You don't have the full picture. God has the full picture. He's just going to give you enough to make a first faith step. Just obey. Leave the rest up, up to him. You don't have to know the whole plan. In the military, many of us in here served in the military. They didn't give me everything with every assignment. When they go, when they tell men and women to go to war, they don't tell you the whole war plan. They give you enough to know this is the time you need to be at the hangar. This is what you need to bring. This is the time we're going to depart. They take you through what we call a step-by-step -step process of going to war. Just obey God. Whatever he says to do, do it. I don't understand it. Come on. Did you understand what you were doing when you went to the first grade? But it helped you get to the second grade. Did you understand what you were doing when you were in the second grade? You understood the second grade work. But it was preparing you for the third grade. And folks, God is continuously preparing people. Don't ever get to the point where you feel like you have arrived. Morning by morning, the Bible says God will show you new mercies, things that you have never seen. Things, the Bible says God will do exceeding abundantly above whatever you could ask or. You might think that you can think big, but God is much bigger than your thoughts. We are a pea brain <laughs> when it comes to the thoughts of God. He's, that's why he says my thoughts are higher than your thought. My ways are higher than your way. Didn't say that you couldn't have his thought. Didn't say that you couldn't experience his ways. But he's just saying, you got to go to a higher level if you're going to roll with God. How many of you going to roll with God? Amen. You got to come up. You got to come up. Gideon realized he's had to come up from the wine press. He just needed to obey God. You got to stop saying, I got to give God a test. You just got to come up. And whatever he says to do, you're doing it. Next slide, effort. God will use the weak to confound the wise. Everybody and your brother think they know the answer. 
to get you to the next level. But God. Somebody say, but God. But God. Say it again, but God. but God. You gotta stop trying to say, I need to consult with him and consult with them and consult with that. What you need to do is consult with God. The Bible says, let God's word be true and let every other word be a lie. God's word is true. Follow the truth. Follow the path that God has set for you. God will, will use the weak. See, for, for sometimes people will think, I've got to have all this. I've got to have all this. What did God say? Let's, let's just get some jars. Let's just get some trumpets. Sometimes in the church, your victory is going to come through a loud praise. How many of you remember the wall of Jericho? You remember that story in the Bible, the walls of Jericho? Some of you don't, I can tell by your expression. The walls of Jericho was a thick, thick barrier for people crossing from one territory to the next. Jericho just dominated, and people just felt, if you get there, that's as far as you're going to get. And some of you, you have run into a wall, and you think that's as far as you can get, but that's a lie. And so the Jericho walls are huge, thick walls that have been poured to intimidate and say to people, you cannot penetrate this. But God is saying, there's no wall so high, no wall so wide, no wall built so deep that I cannot knock down. And what happened? All they were instructed to do was something that I call a miracle in itself, that the people would shut up. Say nothing. Everybody got something to say. And sometimes the Bible is always saying to every one of us, be slow to speak, quick to hear. Have you ever run into these people that everything you say, they just know something about it already? I always talk about a friend of mine, and John, if you're watching, I'm calling you. His name is John Gambrell. We pledged in the same fraternity together when we were in college. But John became affectionately known to all of us as Dr. No. Why? Because no matter what subject you brought up, John knew something. And so we played a trick on John. We fabricated a story. And John, when he heard it, he said, oh, I know, let me. And, and we said, John, that was just a big lie that we told you. But all of a sudden, you jumped in and you know. Folks, you have to stop opening your mouth like you know. There are things that you don't know. There are things preachers don't know. There are things that congregants don't know. And how many of you know that there was a man who said, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Sometimes you're going to come and you're going to pray with pastor, and pastor's going to pray, Father, in this church, we don't know what to do concerning that matter, but our eyes are on you. We are some weak vessels that you have used, God. But we know you will use weak vessels. You will take the simple thing to confound the wise. And we just trust God. We just trust God. Just keep trusting God. Here's the next point. I don't know how far I've gotten down in this. This is the last one. And that's why everything is bold and highlighted. God is sovereign. Say, He reigns. Say it again, he reigned. Which he means he's the ruler of the whole universe. Everything is subject to God. 
This is why we know every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess Jesus is Lord. No wall is impenetrable. It's like, I didn't finish the point about Jericho. That wall was so wide, you could put 12 chariots side by side and ride them around the wall. It was that thick. But they marched around that wall for, what, six days. And on the seventh day, they shouted. And what happened? The walls came down. Folks, you don't want to miss these moments of being in the house of the Lord, especially during prayer times when God is prophetically doing things, it's prophetically speaking things, you need to be in the presence. And I'm saying to you again, yes, I'm like a broken record. I'm saying it again. You need to get your little hips up into the house Amen. and start praying. Get up out of that bed. Get out of your flower yard or whatever you feel you got to be doing at 10 o'clock. You need to get your hips in the house and start praying and watch God turn some things around. Lord God call walls to fall down. Anybody got a wall that you feel like you've run up to? Watch God drop that wall for you. Watch God obliterate that wall for you. Watch God heal your loved one. Now, if you say, look, I live in another state, then of course we'll be on the comforts line and you will be able to be in the presence. But folks, if you live right down the street, get your butt up. Amen. Stop being a goat. Get up. Get your children into the presence of God. Our children don't understand how great our God is yet. Juan Pablo and, 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 and Tanya, your little daughter blessed me so much last week. Because at one point she stood right there. She had all the little cloths, teaching her how to be an usher. She had the cloths, so, you know, if someone needed to be covered, she was postured to do that. But at one point, she was in her praise and worship. She just laid her little cloth down and just bowed and began to worship. At one point, she looked over here, and I think she saw my wife, and my wife was bowed and, 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 and just worshiping God, and she picked her little cloths up. She walked over. She came, and she put a little cloth down. I guess she said, I'm just going to get close to some anointing over here, too. And she did. I just watched it. Bless me. I'm calling them out because perhaps you're doing something that's right, but I'm telling you, take her deeper. Because if she's understanding to worship as a child, if you'll take her into the holiest of holies through prayer, your children will be praying prayers that will knock walls down off of your house. Their children are praying prayers that will take sickness off of your body. See, children, the Bible says, unless you come like a little child, you can no wise enter into the kingdom of God. And some of you have got children that they, they, they see the preciousness of God. But God is saying, take them deeper now. Yeah. I don't know if you read your Bible, but I find that God is using little children all through the Bible. Yeah. Teenagers, don't think your teenagers are so wild that they can't get God. You got to get them into the presence, though. Gideon is a child, folks. I don't know if you figured that out yet. Gideon is a child. He's the youngest of all of his siblings. God decides to use him. 
Come on, lift your hands. Those of you who want to dedicate your child to the Lord right now. Lift your hands toward God and say, Father, first, I will surrender to your will and to your ways. And this day, I put, I place my child on the altar of God. And God, use them. God bless them. God keep them. God surround them with your favor like a shield. Help them to discover their God-given assignment. While we live on this earth, help them do your will. Not my will, not their will, but your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. I'm done. Amen. Yep, you can stick a fork in me. I'm done. <laughs> Stand to your feet. Lift your hands toward heaven. Father, we thank you for the change that you have made in our lives when we ask Jesus to come into our hearts. Now, Father, if there's someone in the midst of us right now that has not asked Jesus to come into their life, I pray that this is the day where they will say, Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Save me right now. You may not know all that you need to do at this moment in time, but you shouldn't be assured of this. If you ask Jesus to come into your heart, he will immediately come into your life. Now, what is he going to do? He's going to do just like he did with Gideon. Sometimes he'll send an angel to talk to you. Sometimes he'll just send a prophet or a man or woman of God to talk with you, to help you to be discipled so that you can grow in the Lord, to become strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So, Father, whoever that may be watching or present here today, I thank you that they will receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. We who have been saved, we reaffirm daily that Jesus is our Lord, that Jesus is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords, that we should have no other God before him, that every day of our lives we will seek first his kingdom and all of his righteousness. And we believe that all of the things that we might ever need in our life, he'll add it to us. God, thank you for helping all of us this day and this year to not lean to our own understanding, but truly just to acknowledge God in all of our ways so that he can direct our path. Anybody need prayer? I just feel so strong. Anybody need prayer? Come to the altar real quick. Those of you at home, just stretch your hand out towards your whatever instrument you're using, a phone or a um, Whoever it is that you just need prayer, you can't leave here until I pray for you. I just, if, you if you need to go, some of you that are here, you need to go. It's okay. I won't find, call that disorderly. If you need to go, go. But I just need to pray. You can keep it going because I want those at home. I want you to stretch out your hand. Uh, you're viewing. You're streaming with us. And you need prayer this morning. I, I need to pray. I, I just, there's just an anointing on me just to pray for some souls today. 
Whatever the devil meant for evil for your life, God is turning it for your good. Whatever the place that you've been struggling, that struggle is over now in the name of Jesus. Whatever that thing where you've just been, I don't know what to do. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes on Jesus because right now Jesus is moving. Right now Jesus is moving in your midst, in through your situation, your circumstance. Jesus is well aware. He was able to do something that you couldn't do and no other human being could ever do. And so today, Lord God, as we pray, we thank you for the blessing of the Lord. We thank you for the anointing of the Lord, for his anointing has destroyed that yoke and removed that burden off of your life. You are free, 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 free. Hallelujah. God, we thank you that this is your day, the day that you made. All you are required to do is rejoice, 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 rejoice. Father, I thank you. Yes, Lord. Yes to your will. I will obey. I will go and do whatever you say. I will stop and never question. I've learned something from Gideon. I don't have to test you, God. I just have to obey you. I don't have to see something. I've got to believe, and I will believe the report of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's not through with you yet. God has never told you, I'm through with you. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, get it all. It's not for me, it's for you. But I'll take it if you don't want it. <laughs> Glory to God. Not through. You shall run and not grow weary. Walk and not faint. <laughs> you see stuff and happens, things that are happening on your left and on your right. You ask sometimes the Lord, why, why am I still here? Because God not through with you yet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Thank Glorify him. Hallelujah. All I can say to you, my sister, is step into it fully. The things of God are not things that you do with any partial. you got to step into it fully. With all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're more than a caregiver. The Spirit of the Lord says you're more than a caregiver. I don't know who you've been care caring for, but God wants you to know you're more than a caregiver and he cares about you. And he's about to do something special, something really special for you. You are a giver. It's good to be a giver. But God wants you to know he's and I'll give you and he's about to give you exceeding abundantly above you what you could have asked or thought. Hallelujah. Confidence, 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 confidence. You are not incompetent. You are confident, confidence, confidence, confidence. But you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Ooh, glory. Oh, glory. Those that were in the back, step up to the front. I haven't forgot those that are on the end. I'm just, I have to flow where the Holy Ghost is flowing. And... I just follow God. I just move from left to right. There is no specific person that's uh, greater or better than anyone. I, I, I just want you to know when pastor comes that way and he go back the other way, it's just a pull of the Holy Ghost on me that way. But God has something for you, so don't get impatient. Don't get impatient. Hallelujah.
Glory to God. Glory to God. You said you'd give him all. You said you would give him your all. Now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time. You don't lag behind. You two sisters standing here, you don't lag behind. You can't wait for other people to get it so that you can run. You just have to start running now. They'll catch up. They'll catch up. But you can't delay what God has said to you to do. You got to do it with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. I, I've said this oftentimes as a pastor in this church. Nobody should be a member of this church and be spiritually unemployed. Every one of us should be active in some area of ministry. It is not always at the pulpit. It's not always at an usher or a greeter or, 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 or someone singing. But there is a role for you. There's a role for every one of us. And if you didn't, you still at the point and you said, I'm a member of this church and I still don't know my role, then you need to come in and sit down with me. I will tell you specifically what I see that the Spirit is saying concerning your life. But you see yours. You know where you're supposed to be. You see yours. You know where you're supposed to be, but you've been trying to wait for somebody else. And God said, wait on him. Wait on him. And I'm using that word, wait on him, like when you go to a, a restaurant. I know you all call them service. You can call them waiters or service. But it's the same principle. If you're going to serve, serve God. And serve him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. You're deemed beautiful in the sight of God. Wonderful in the sight of God. Blessed in the sight of God. Stop weighing and measuring yourself on what other people say or thinking that you've got to hear what somebody else says to affirm or confirm who you are. It's been said in the Word. It's in the will of God. You're blessed and highly favored. <sighs> Hold your mama's hand. Because a plan requires both of you to walk step by step in it. All I can say to you, my sister, is no looking back. No blaming yourself. No looking back. It's time to look ahead and see what God has for you. No shame. Say no shame. Say it again. No shame. God doesn't shame people. And you have nothing to ever be ashamed of. You're not looking back. You're not looking at decisions that other people make. You're making a decision to follow God. You're making a decision to serve God. Serve Him. Serve Him. Serve Him. Serve Him. Serve Him. Serve Him. Watch God. Watch God do miracle after miracle after miracle for you and your household. Your victory is not dependent on other people. Your victory is dependent on you staying with God. Israel, which you just heard today, seven years in captivity. That's because of the decisions they made. Your life is not directed by decisions that other people made. It's the decisions you made. 
make a decision. Like Joshua did that day. He said, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And you serve him, both of you. Young man, get involved. And not just to sit on the back row. It's time to come forward. It's time to come forward. This is prophetic for every man in this house. It is time for every man of God in this house to come forward. It's prayer that I'll finish with these. I have to have a prayer with all men. I'm going to want all men to come to the altar. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for my sister. I thank you for blessing her, doing exceeding abundantly above all she could ask or think. She wasn't even sure why she was coming here this morning. It was the Lord. It was the Lord. It still is the Lord and it will always be the Lord. He is with you. He's going to help you. He will bless you. Miss Pat, I need you to come real quick, if you don't mind. You're going to lay hands on this sister. I just want you to take her. No one told me to just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's your shoulder, which is here. You just laid your hand there. I'm just going to pray. Now do it in the name of Jesus. I thank you. Now, the enemies tried to come in, but Lord, we know when the enemy comes in, you raise up a standard. We know your word has not changed. By your stripes, we're healed. Though, Lord God, these symptoms and these circumstances and these aches and pains are, have come to our body, they can't stay. They must go. And we command them to go now in the name of Jesus. Swift, rapid, expedient healing and restoration to every tendon, to every bone, to every muscle, to every tissue in this body. We command and speak healing in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands toward heaven. Hallelujah. All of us go through wilderness experiences in our life. You're coming out of the wilderness, my sister. You're coming out of the wilderness. The shifting and the changing and the movements that you've had to make and said, I had to make this to just try to make it. To try to sustain for my family. Your wilderness days is over. Walk into the land that's flowing with milk and honey. And it's in your recommitment. That's the word I hear. Your recommitment to the things of God. Same God who called you then is calling you now. But you've got to recommit and say, I will. Say it. Say it. Say it again. Say it again. Folks, this is a marriage to Jesus. Every now and then, you've been at weddings, and you know, and, and they're giving the vows, and, and you said, that person didn't say it. You ain't even here. That's people that talk loud all the time, but when it came to their commitment, their vows, they didn't even say anything. I couldn't hear a thing. See, you have to share with God. I will. I will. Because you're going to do His will. When you obey, just like we learned from Gideon, when you obey, you just leave the rest up to God. How you going to do it? You just going to do it, God. Hallelujah. Turn around.
Turn around. I'm not trying to make you dizzy. Come on now. You just scared want to look at them? Turn around. Why we do what we do is because of the Holy Spirit. It looks odd sometimes. It looks odd for some people saying, what is he doing turning that man around? What God is doing is turning some things around in his life. What God is doing is turning some situation that the devil said, you will never be able to overcome that. But you're living in the year of comeback, brother. You're the, you're the, God wants you to know you're living in the year of comeback. Oh, I wish I had a rubber ball here. I'm going to buy you one. Now, I'm not trying to be silly here. I want him to have a rubber ball. And every time the enemy tries to say something to him that speaks of defeat, I want you to take that rubber ball. And I want you to realize the harder you throw it down, the higher it's going to bounce back. God's calling for bounce back in your life. And that rubber ball is going to remind you Whatever the devil tries to come against you, tries to come against you physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, you're going to have one of your greatest comebacks. And I want you to take that ball, I want you to throw it. You don't have to try to catch it. Because it's going to go so high, you can't catch it. When you retrieve it, you put it back in your pocket and just keep it there to remind you. Whenever the enemy tries to attack you, he's just setting you up. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.